What up, everybody? It's your host, Ogozi Hamidi, bringing you a brand new episode of The Political Fugitives. And for this episode, um, we don't have John Rodriguez. Uh, he's a little busy. He's uh, all wrapped up in his engineering work. I don't know what that feels like. I'm not a STEM student, but you know what? We're going to get right into it. So welcome to this new episode. <laughs> that, that was a little try run. run. Uh, let us know in the comments if that was cool or not. I'll never do that again if that's stupid. Okay, so for today, we're going to talk about, uh, first, I'm going to skip over the news because I think that's uh, no longer useful in our episodes anymore because, you know, news is everywhere now. I feel like people are more informed than ever, um, but, you know, follow us on Instagram and I'll still keep you updated. So for today, we're just going to get right into the topic and we're going to discuss the Supreme Court and the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. And today we have our I guess with us, his name is uh, Carlos Campos. He's actually a couple rooms away from me right now. Carlos, say hi. Hello, my name is Carlos Campos. I am also a Bowdoin student, and I am chemistry and math. So I do study STEM, and I am able to give time for this. So uh, John Rodriguez, uh, you know, next time, pull up. Anyway, <laughs> I am originally from Peru, so I have a different view on how the United States is because I was not born in the United States. So this will be a very interesting way to see it. Well, actually, I wasn't born here either, so it's not, it's not that big of a difference. Well, it's still, he came from a, I'd say you came from a different political system. You're very different. Than, uh, than I have. I mean, Japan is literally America's baby. Um, so we'll get right into it. So as you may all know, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, passed away due to cancer c- complications last Almost two weeks ago, it's it was a sad time. Me personally, RBG was one of my favorite. I have a poster up right behind me. She was a extraordinary woman who set amazing precedents and examples for future powerful people. And uh, yeah, she made some very decisive rulings in the past, and she became famous for her dissents, where she would actively criticize other justices in a way it hadn't been done before in a fiery way. And it basically made her stand out. So to replace her, so first of all, I'd say, before I even get into the topic, excuse me, I'm going to just say uh, rest in peace. No matter what your political views are, you you can agree that she was extraordinary in terms of career and her service to this country. And she served on a court for decades, literally decades. She held out until literally the last possible second that she could. And that's that's something we can all cherish and respect. So after that, we'll get back. Following that, we'll go right into the Supreme Court new nominee, Amy Coney Barrett. So she was a uh, Notre Dame, University of Notre Dame law professor. Very extraordinary one at the fact. I believe she received several awards for being the best law professor University of Notre Dame could offer. She has written number of opinions on certain court case issues. And... Um, she was picked to be a federal federal judge by Trump back in 2017, very recently, and was confirmed by the Senate in a bipartisan vote because she is a qualified candidate. But the, but the issue at hand is the circumstance of the appointment. As you may remember, back in 2016, when uh, Justice Scalia had passed away, Barack Obama, President Barack Obama at the time, appointed... Merrick Garland to replace him. However, 
He appointed him basically in January. And based what Mitch McConnell said was because it is an election year and because the Senate was overwhelmingly confirmed to be Republican by the American people in the 2014 midterm elections, so was the House of Representatives. And we had a Democratic president, which meant that the the American people, it wouldn't be fair for a Democratic president to nominate justice during an election year because that will not accurately depict what the American people wanted. Because according to McConnell, clearly they wanted a Republican government and allowing a Democratic president to appoint one would be not okay. And it was also an election year, and he made it precedent that we should not confirm justice in the election year. So off with that, that's the issue here. Carlos, uh, what do you what do you think, generally? Well, because I believe that presidents should be followed, and that's one of the things that the Supreme Court literally embodies, it's setting presidents for the interpretation of the law. Ultimately, mm-hmm. the appointment of... Amy Coney Barrett was extremely hypocritical from the GOP. I don't think McConnell had any right to mess with it again. I feel like they should have followed the president which they did with President Obama. However, clearly this shows that American politics is in a very hypocritical state. The appointment of Amy Coney Barrett has will probably have some very, very extreme... How do I word this? It will have extreme effects on the Supreme Court because with RGB now gone, rest in peace or soul, there will be, from what I can look at it, six right-leaning judges, which could have some very drastic effects in the coming years, especially if Donald Trump isn't elected or is elected again. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, Amy Coleman Barrett, she will definitely make the Supreme Court a conservative court. We haven't seen a conservative court in a while. Um, in the past couple of years, it has been a... I wouldn't say conservative. I would, I would say it's in the past few years under Roberts, Justice Chief Justice Roberts, it has been a a independent court at the most. So it's basically been four liberal justices, four conservative justices. Yeah, and Chief Jones. Justice Roberts, yeah, he he been trying his hardest to make the court look nonpartisan as possible. So he's been trying to vote both liberally and conservatively. But now with Comey Barrett, he's going to lose that power to do so. So it is definitely going to have drastic implications for sure. I guess my, well, your first point about hypocrisy, I I don't know if I 100% agree on that because looking back at what McConnell said was that, I mean, they had taken over, the Republicans had taken over the Senate and the House at the same time. And we had a Democratic president, which is, Different from the case now, Republicans retained the Senate. Actually, they added more seats to the Senate. So I guess to play a devil's advocate, don't you think he has a a point there? He's supporting his agenda. I mean, do what you got to do in this case, especially if it suits suits you. However, I guess I think differently because when I look at the politics of the U.S., I'm thinking more my own politics. I would follow past presidents which were past precedents which were they not appoint a Supreme Court justice during an election year. However, if But but was that the precedent? That I felt to me like because of the lot of President of former President Obama's situation, I think that should have been a president. However, I guess it's not anymore. Mm-hmm. But I guess is his so you're saying his argument's not valid? I don't I don't think it is, but if it suits his agenda then Hey, he made it work. 
Connie Barrett's in the, in the Supreme Court. Cool. Uh, I guess my next question for us to discuss would be, had this not been an election year, should Amy Coney Barrett be confirmed? I, I guess it's a little bit of silence, so I'm, I'll, I'll start it off. I think, so me personally discussing the subject is, of course, a, a different, given my gender, I am a male. My rights under a conservative Supreme Court would differ had I, had I been a woman. Um, obviously relating abortion issues, Roe versus Wade and all. But Amy Coney Barrett, to be honest, she's very qualified. Me personally, I believe in a nonpartisan court. People should be confirmed based on their resume and their resume only. I believe, actually, this is a precedent that Justice Ginsburg set, which is when justices are being confirmed, they should not answer political questions. So if we're the Senate were to be like, hey, Judge Barrett, if you're on the court, are you going to overturn Roe versus Wade? That should not be answered by any Supreme Court nominee. The answer to that should be, I'm going to uphold past precedents. So in my opinion, had this not been an election year, Amy Coney Barrett should be confirmed because she is a very qualified judge. Um, and I don't believe ideology should play in nominee picks. But what, what do you think? I think that Amy Coney Barrett is also extremely qualified from her work in Notre Dame. She has shown herself to be very, very capable and had had it been Obama or even Donald Trump that appointed her, some people wouldn't have liked her, but her qualifications, her resume, her CV shows that she is basically good for the Supreme Court. I don't think there's anything wrong with her. Some people may argue like, oh, original, because she is a textualist or an originalist, if you want to say that. And some people may have an opposition to that. But in that case, I don't think it matters. I think that, like you said, she didn't answer any political questions. And what's important here is how she's going to interpret the law. And she has a way of interpreting the law. People might people may like it, people may not like it. However, she is a qualified mind for it. Yeah, I, I agree, but I think a lot of people would disagree with that. I think I think the court has inevitably become a partisan institution in a way. It does. Which is uh yeah, which is I'm frankly sad to see it be treated in a way, but uh yeah. It would mean a lot of implications, but hopefully she establishes that she does respect past president, past, past. Oh my God. You got me saying presidents now, yeah. uh, precedent that she will uphold Roe v. Wade. She, but not just Roe v. Wade, there's a lot more at stake. There's the affordable care act, right? Affordable there's care. a affordable care act oral Dark argument as well. The, the, what's up? DACA maybe stake as well. DACA as well. There's a lot at stake, but. Yeah, it's 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 a very complicated issue, nonetheless. That's why we're discussing it. And I don't know. I get, mentioning ACA. Do you, do you think ACA is the Affordable Care Act is constitutional? I'm sorry, what? Repeat that. The Affordable Care Act. Do you, is given Colin Barrett's timing of the hearing, she's going to be hearing a case on the Affordable Care Act, and will have the power to shred it into pieces. And she has actually argued in a. Uh, a mock trial court that it is unconstitutional one time. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what to think. Of. I don't really know what to think of this because I didn't know that she had stated anything on the Affordable Care Act. Personally, I I like the Affordable Care Act. However, I had no idea how. So how wait, you like socialized medicine? 
I, I do think that there should be a public option here in the United States. However, that's, yeah, that, be, that's new to me. Yeah. I come from a society where basically there should be some sort of floor for people to have to stand on. I think that privatization of healthcare here in the United States can be very, very harmful, especially to people who can't afford it and how the way big pharma has been operating. However, because we live in a capitalist society, I think there should be a freedom to choose both a public and a private system. So the Affordable Care Act to me is good. However, if it is constitutional or not, I do not think I I can interpret that at the moment. I would have to think more about that. Uh-huh. Well, I, I can I, I guess I can add a little. So with the Affordable Care Act, the only way it is constitutional, well, the main way it is constitutional is the necessary and proper clause, which is within the Article 1 of the Constitution. Basically says Congress may legislate anything that is necessary and proper. Which means, which basically gives Congress power to do anything as long as it's necessary and proper. So in terms of Affordable Care Act, it all comes down to the lawyers being able to argue to the Supreme Court that the Affordable Care Act is necessary and proper. This is why having a liberal or conservative judge is extremely important in these cases. Because it's even if you're an originalist, that clause itself changes the entire constitutionality of any given law, right? So if Amy Bear, Comey Bear is justice, not, not, not justice yet, Judge Bear is confirmed that that is very much at stake. Um, I guess the next question is, what can Democrats do? What, obviously, they don't want Comey Bear there. Uh, most liberals don't want her there because of her ideology. Again, I disagree with that stance. It should be based on qualifications. However, her ideology is extremely conservative and Democrats want to stop that. Do, do you have any idea what they can do? It, honestly, I think that the best thing that the Democrats can do now is focus on the next election because we don't know which justices may choose to retire within the next within the next presidential term. We don't know who may which justices hopefully not may pass away within the next presidential election. So as long as we have so as long as the Democrats have a democratic president and hopefully can regain as many seats in the in the Senate and House representatives as possible, then they can they can take the Supreme Court back. However, I cannot foresee what's going to happen. The only thing the Democrats should be worried about is having a Democratic president. Hmm. I I guess I can agree with that. I know they, given what I know about political politics in the United States, they do not have any option left at the moment. That Judge Barrett seems to be uh, seems like she's going to be confirmed. She will be confirmed. Uh, definitely. Yeah, I guess I agree with you. So a lot of Democrats are talking about retaliation, right? If they, this happens, they will retaliate. They will do something even dirtier in the next few years because as a revenge for what McConnell is doing. One of the ideas is packing the court. Are you familiar with that term? Packing the court. I've heard about it before, but I'm trying to think of the definition. You can go ahead and explain it. Yeah. So packing the court is... It was first introduced in the 1940s by Franklin Delano Roosevelt. When, uh, so FDR, obviously under his New Deal, he introduced a bunch of socialist programs in the United States. And a lot of it kept on getting taken down by the Supreme Court. They kept on saying, this is unconstitutional. This is unconstitutional. And as a result, FDR, uh, he threatened 
to increase the justices, the number of justices in the court by, I think, from nine to 15. That way he could add six justices that match his views and basically stuff it to the point it's like completely liberal. So that's what Senator Ed Markey first suggested it on Twitter, um, I think last week. So what they would do is legislate, make a law that increases the number of justices in the court from nine to who knows, 12, 15, whatever the number is. And then they just stuff it with liberals that you just create three or five new op- openings and you just stuff it. What do, you, what do you think about that? That sounds very, very dirty. Because if that, it is dirty. If, if that happens, right? If for whatever reason, let's say Biden is elected president and he and he and the House decide, let's court pack the next Supreme Court. So either to stabilize it and make it nonpartisan again, or to even try to outrule the conservative rulers. I can imagine what's going to happen after that is that if after Biden's term, a Republican president comes on, the Republicans would probably try the exact same thing, but make it even worse. I don't, I think that what ended up happening in 1937 when the Judicial Procedures Reform Bill was passed was very extreme because the, the Great Depression was happening in, at that time. And those, these were desperate situations. However, if we were to do it today, it would probably be a petty war, which would harm lots of people. Because the Supreme Court does have a lot of power. <laughs> oh yeah, so so you would be against it. I would I would be against any sort of any sort of like dirty manipulation of the rules, not because it goes for their agenda, but because it could be used against them and have drastic effects on us. Okay, the last couple seconds you great brought up a really great point: the dirty manipulation of rules. So this is a problem I always bring up with people and the problem is why is it that republicans get to manipulate dirty rules they 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 get to do all sorts of dirty stuff right i mean they're unafraid they're unafraid of the consequences for example i mean they nominated a pedophile to the senate in freaking 2018 judge roy moore right they they don't care while we while we take down our own for certain comments or certain behaviors like it's non-stop i guess you could call cancel culture where republicans back up their stuff right no matter how dirty it is so so you think democrats should not go lower despite that no because i believe it ultimately goes against their foundation in the way that i've always viewed the democratic and the republican party i've always viewed as a republican the republican parties or the gop as a very individualist party and that's why they manipulate and bend the rules to their agency so much because they only want to benefit themselves meanwhile i have always viewed the democratic party as a more collectivist party who care more about the good of the whole rather than the good of themselves so then not bending the rules in the way that could have happened when President Obama was there was because they know that these could have drastic effects on the American people and they don't want that. Ultimately, the Republicans will continue to bend the rules for themselves because it benefits them as a party, not the American people. That's, that's, I get that, but I guess, I don't know, politics is a dirty game and sometimes. I, I often have a feeling that Democrats should be dirtier. 
um, at the end of the day, you you need to have power, right? You can't do anything without power. So if you want to play these purist politics crap, you can, but you're not going to get anything done. That's the biggest problem I have with the the left wing of the Democratic Party is they they desire perfection from their politicians, and that's just not a thing. Politics and morality do not go hand in hand, and I feel like it just damages them so much to the point they can't get anything done. That's why they call them do nothing Democrats because they literally can't get anything done because they can't unite their party. You they can't they they're incapable of having a solid government. I feel like. What do you think? Well, I come from Latin America, which is a con- which is a region of the world known very much for its dirty politics. The reason why I have so much respect for the Democratic Party for not playing the dirty game is because the minute that two parties start engaging in almost a dirty manipulation of wars, and, and the way it's happened in, in some countries, particularly Peru, there have been two opposing parties that have switched powers and have ultimately changed the constitution to ways to benefit themselves. And although this war has been a struggle for power, it has affected a lot of citizens. I hold a lot of respect for the Democrats for not fighting that war because it could have effects on the common American. However, running into the your argument is that if the Democrats do decide to fight back, it would give them a lot more power and a lot more would get done. However, thinking about it in the long term, if something were to pass that benefits the Democrats and then it is taken away by Republicans in a course of eight years, let's say, what was the point? That that is a good that's a good point. But I guess they're at least they have substance to fight back on at that point. Right. Ooh, but Democrats can say we did things that actually helped you. Look at the other side there. They're not do- they're not doing anything for you. That is entire that is entirely true. However, that is when things would get absolutely sticky because if we're talking about two parties fighting each other, the ultimate interpreter of what is legal and what isn't will be the Supreme Court. And whoever is president at the time will also have a say in this. And if the Supreme Court can manipulate words in a certain way, then the two fighting parties can also be manipulated. I don't, I've seen it before in Argentina particularly, but I'm not sure how feasible that would be in the United States knowing this political system. I see. So you, you, you just want to avoid a conflict. Basi- basically, the minute that that happens, we're going down a very, very ugly, slippery slope, which has typically ended in disaster. The first example, which I can immediately think of, is Spain before the Civil War, where there were conservative and liberal governments exchanging sides, particularly the government of Niceto Alcala Zamora, who promised a lot of change. And that change came, but once he was booted out, a lot of these changes were retracted, and people were very, very affected. And ultimately, very angry. That uh, well, I guess it's not much more to talk about. Amy Coney Barrett. Do you have any other issues oh. that you can think of I about regarding this Supreme Court nomination? I find I find her nomination circumstances problematic. I don't find her problematic. I think that's basic summary of what I believe in this issue. Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's. I'd also say it's a lot. 
easier for us to say that because our some we know our rights are not at stake as as other demographics in the United States. Yeah, I I am for example I am a straight male. I am a United States citizen, so I I also do not benefit very much from Obamacare. So. Uh, I am not at stake as much, but I'm thinking of a lot of people around my communities who are, and I worry for them. I I agree with that. But I'd also like to add that, because people seem to forget this, is some justices can go both ways. For example, Chief Justice Earl Warren, he was nominated by Dwight, Dwight D. Eisenhower, President Dwight D. Eisenhower in the 1950s, a Republican. Earl Warren was supposed to be this staunch conservative judge who was going to do conservative things. And he became the most liberal chief justice in the history of the United States. I mean, he was he ruled for a bunch of civil rights cases. He ruled in Roe versus Wade. He he became super liberal. So just because Amy Coleman Barrett has these ideologies doesn't necessarily mean that's how she's going to rule. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I just wanted to point that part out. Yeah, Warren is Warren. I've learned a lot about him when he was not expected to vote to, for uh, Brown versus Board of Education. He was expected to vote on the conservative side, but he, he didn't, which is incredible, in my opinion. I know he yeah. was also present during Miranda versus Arizona, which is another massive landmark case. So we could see Amy Coney Barrett change her opinions. However, I really doubt it because she is an originalist and she will probably go in the way that her presidents have before. And I know for a fact she has been slightly conservative in the past but we'll see how it goes i can't predict anything yeah i i guess i agree with that but it's also like i mean as being a university law professor and or a federal judge is a lot different than being on the supreme court it's it's a lot more weighing and i think she won't i doubt she'll be as conservative as people pointed out because there's so much at stake given like the image of the institution. She's going to, not only is she going to be ruling in cases, she's going to also have to think about how the Supreme Court will look to the American people, right? The same way Chief Justice John Roberts had been doing for the past 10, 20 years. And that, I think that would make a lot of difference. All right. So enough with that. Amy Colbert, this 26 minutes in. So we still got some time. I got. I just want to discuss one question before we go. I got a question through the Instagram, the Q and A section. All right, if you're listening, please respond to those. Okay, we love answering questions. I love answering questions. Our guests love answering questions. Or it doesn't even have to be a question. It could be just an issue that you want us to talk about. And so I'm gonna read out this one that I got in the DM. This this will be interesting. I think this is your area that you may know a lot about. So this person. Not gonna name them because they didn't they didn't specify that. So they said, is some form of conservatism, not necessarily Trump Trumpian, but think of like classical liberalism, like just general conservatism, necessary? Is some form of conservatism necessary for the functioning of a democracy? What do you think? Yes. Yes. Me too. Yes. <laughs> Conservatism needs to conservatism needs just as an ideology is necessary for any functioning government because if you consistently change a government a government system, then ultimately the that stable government runs a very high risk of falling apart. 
that yeah i i think without like people complain that congress is really slow they don't get anything done but i think that's a good thing right if they were if say they were all democrats oh my god the, the state we would live in the, it would be uh you need you need to be slow when you're governing in a way because you need to make sure that what you're doing is effective and you want to make sure that it is generally accepted by most of the population in which whom you are governing so i think it, it's definitely important to have conservatism because then you just have a at that point it's a tyranny because <laughs> obviously not everyone's going to be accepting of all the laws they're going to pass yeah yeah i agree with you i mean i guess my my looks on conservatism are also slightly weird in the fact that here in the united states i would be considered a liberal a liberal person both politically and socially however in latin america in terms of Peruvian politics, I would consider a national conservative per se. For so like, you're a Nazi. What? No. <laughs> no. I guess that's not the direct translation that I was thinking of. Again, I'm trying to translate. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Well, we're reaching a 30 point mic, 30 minute mark. Uh, that's generally where we end our podcasts. I guess we can. Can finish this off, please. Well, first of all, Carlos, thank you for joining our podcast. Anytime. Yeah, and I'm sure you guys will see him again in the future. Please let us know. Give us feedback in the comments. DM us, whatever it is. Communicate with us. Contact us. Tell us if we suck. Please tell us if we suck because telling us we're bad, that means we can change, okay? So tell us if we suck. Tell us if we're good as well because yeah. you know, it's, a, it's a nice compliment. Uh so yeah, I hope everyone liked this episode. Please let us know. Give us some feedback. And wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Capiche? Capisco. Ciao, ciao.